startups, startup founders, startup workers. If you haven't listened to the Ride Home Fund announcement episode that I dropped on Sunday, please listen to that. It's only about five minutes, but it's entirely for you because I want you to send me your pitch decks. And everyone else, listen for how you too can participate in the investment process, even if you're not an LP in the fund. Just give a quick listen to the episode right before this one. Welcome to the Tech Meme Ride Home for Monday, September 27th, 2021. I'm Brian McCullough. Today, Adam Masseri pumps the brakes on Instagram kids, but still says it's a good idea. Tesla is letting people into the full self-driving beta, and some folks think that's a bad idea. Apple knows about that Apple Watch bug. What if the factories are the next worries in China? And Cloudflare wants to tackle email now. Here's what you missed today in the world of tech. Well, Instagram head Adam Masseri said in a blog post this morning that Instagram is pausing work on Instagram kids after criticism from parents, experts, regulators, policymakers, and others. And of course, after all those Wall Street Journal stories, quoting Masseri from the Instagram blog. We started this project to address an important problem seen across our industry. Kids are getting phones younger and younger, misrepresenting their age, and downloading apps that are meant for those 13 or older. We firmly believe that it's better for parents to have the option to give their children access to a version of Instagram that is designed for them, where parents can supervise and control their experience, than relying on an app's ability to verify the age of kids who are too young to have an ID. While we stand by the need to develop this experience, we've decided to pause this project. This will give us time to work with parents, experts, policymakers, and regulators to listen to their concerns and to demonstrate the value and importance of this project for younger teens online today." End quote. The Post went on to make the argument, literally, that the kids are already online, so all Instagram wants to do is make it safer for them to build out better parental supervision and the like. Quoting The Verge, In a blog post and series of accompanying tweets, Masseri blames the media and critics for misunderstanding the purpose of the app. Quote, It was never meant for younger kids, but for tweens aged 10 to 12, he writes. In a separate tweet, he adds that news of the project leaked way before we knew what it would be. People feared the worst, and we had few answers at that stage. It's clear we need to take more time on this, end quote. In his blog post, Mosseri notes that the Wall Street Journal's reporting, quote, raised a lot of questions for people, end quote, and says such criticism has led Instagram to introduce a number of anti-bullying features, as well as exploring features that might encourage readers to take a break from the app. Parts of the Wall Street Journal's reporting that Instagram and Mosseri have ignored include the company's own researchers noting that users often feel addicted to the app. Mosseri notes on Twitter that critics will see Instagram pausing development of the kids' app, quote, as a concession that the project is a bad idea, end quote. He's adamant this is incorrect, adding, quote, I have to believe parents would prefer the option for their children to use an age-appropriate version of Instagram that gives them oversight than the alternative. But I'm not here to downplay their concerns. We have to get this right, end quote. Meanwhile, in a separate blog post over the weekend, Facebook disputed the Wall Street Journal's Instagram story, claiming internal research shows Instagram made difficult times better for teen girls on 11 of 12 well-being issues, quoting Bloomberg. Facebook said that while those dealing with body image issues felt Instagram made it worse for them, users coping with loneliness, anxiety, sadness, and eating issues said the app helped in their difficult moments. Quote, it is simply not accurate that this research demonstrates Instagram is toxic for teen girls. 
Pratiti Ray Chowdhury, Facebook's head of research, said in a post, quote, the majority of teenage girls who experience body image issues still reported Instagram either made it better or had no impact, end quote. Facebook said that research had its limitations because it relied on input from just 40 teenagers as it sought the most negative perceptions of Instagram, quote, we invest in this research to proactively identify where we can improve, which is why the worst possible results are highlighted in the internal slides, it added, end quote. As Dar Obasanjo tweeted, I'd love to see corresponding research from Twitter, TikTok, or Reddit from users as to if they felt better, worse, or neutral about their lives after using these services. Without that baseline, it's hard to reason about if these results are typical or unusual, end quote. Over the weekend, Tesla began letting drivers request its full self-driving beta, prompting criticism from regulators and safety advocates, quoting the Washington Post. It's the first time the company has let typical owners upgrade to the software it terms self-driving, although the name itself is an exaggeration by industry and regulatory standards. Tesla chief executive Elon Musk has said owners would be able to request this weekend the upgraded suite of advanced driver assistance features, which Tesla says is a beta, although they wouldn't receive the capabilities right away. Owners will have to agree to let Tesla monitor their driving behavior through the company insurance calculator. Tesla issued a detailed guide specifying the criteria under which drivers would be graded. If their driving is deemed to be good over a seven-day period, Musk said on Twitter, quote, beta access will be granted, end quote. It's the latest twist in a saga that has regulators, safety advocates, and relatives of Tesla crash victims up in arms because of the potential for chaos as the technology is unleashed on real-world roads. Until now, Roughly 2,000 beta testers have had access to the technology. This weekend's release would make it available to those who have purchased the now $10,000 software upgrade and those who have purchased a subscription from Tesla for about $100 to $200 per month if they can first pass Tesla's safety monitoring. As recently as July, Musk said the technology was a debatable proposition, his words, arguing that, quote, we need to make full self-driving work in order for it to be a compelling value proposition, end quote. Tesla and the NHTSA did not immediately respond to requests for comment. Tesla has repeatedly argued that autopilot is safer than cars being driven manually when the modes are compared using Tesla data and information from the NHTSA. Musk has said that, quote, autopilot is unequivocally safer, end quote, than typical cars. The data is not directly comparable, however, because autopilot is supposed to be activated on certain types of roads in conditions where it can function properly, end quote. Apple says it will fix a bug preventing some iPhone 13 users from using the Unlock with Apple Watch feature in an upcoming software update, quoting 9to5Mac. In a support document, Apple said affected users can turn off Unlock with Apple Watch and use their passcode to unlock their iPhone 13 until the software update is released. The feature, which is designed to let you unlock your iPhone while wearing a mask or ski goggles, can be toggled off in the Settings app under Face ID and Passcode. Apple did not specify which software update will include the fix, nor did it provide a time frame. The first beta of iOS 15.1 was released five days ago, but Apple could also choose to release a minor iOS 15.0.1 update with bug fixes. As we reported, affected users might see an unable-to-communicate-with-Apple-Watch error message if they try to unlock their iPhone 13 while wearing a face mask, or they might not be able to set up Unlock with Apple Watch, end quote. (laughs) 
With everybody fighting for attention, how can your business stand out and connect with customers? Easy. Get Constant Contact. Constant Contact's award-winning marketing platform has helped millions of small businesses stand out, stay top of mind, and see big results fast. Constant Contact makes it easy to promote your business with powerful tools like email and SMS marketing, social media posting, and even events management. With Constant Contact, you'll reach new audiences, grow your customer list, and communicate more effectively to sell more, raise more, and fast-track growth. Don't know much about marketing? No sweat. Constant Contact's writing assistance tools and automation features Features, help you say the right thing at the right time, every time. Plus, you can send with confidence knowing your emails are actually reaching your customers thanks to Constant Contact's best-in-class 97% deliverability rate. I use this, and you should too. Tackle any challenge with Constant Contact's expert live customer support. Plus, everything's backed by their 30-day money-back guarantee, so get going and start growing your business today with a free trial at ConstantContact.com. Just go to ConstantContact.com right now. Constant Contact, helping the small stand tall. ConstantContact.com. When you go through airport security, there's one line where the TSA agent checks your ID and another line where a machine scans your bag. The same thing happens in enterprise security, but instead of passengers and luggage, it's end users and their devices. These days, most companies are pretty good at the first part of the equation where they check user identity, but user devices can roll right through authentication without getting inspected at all. In fact, 47% of companies allow unmanaged, untrusted devices to access their data. That means an employee can log in from a laptop that has its firewall turned off and hasn't been updated in six months, or worse, that laptop might belong to a bad actor using employee credentials. Collide finally solves the device trust problem. Collide ensures that no device can log into your Okta-protected apps unless it passes your security checks. Plus, you can use Collide on devices without MDM, like your Linux fleet, contractor devices, and every BYOD phone and laptop in your company. Visit collide.com slash ride to watch a demo and see how it all works. That's K-O-L-I-D-E dot com slash ride, collide.com slash ride. Apple suppliers like Eson Precision Engineering, Unimicron Technology, and Concraft Holding have halted production until Friday as China tightens its energy policies. So it's not just video games, it's not just local tech unicorns anymore, it might be wise to steer clear of China, no matter how you're connected to them, at least for the foreseeable future. Quoting Reuters. Several Apple and Tesla suppliers have suspended production at some Chinese factories for a number of days to comply with tighter energy consumption policies, putting supply chains at risk in the peak season for electronics goods. Two major Taiwanese chipmakers, however, said their China facilities are operating as normal. The development comes as tight coal supplies in China and toughening emission standards have triggered a contraction in heavy industry in several regions, dragging on the country's economic growth rate, analysts have said. Apple supplier Unimicron Technology late on Sunday said three of its China subsidiaries stopped production from midday on September 26th until midnight on September 30th to, quote, comply with the local government's electricity limiting policy, end quote. The Taiwanese maker of printed circuit boards said it did not expect significant impacts as other plants would make up production. Eson Precision, an affiliate of Taiwan's Honhai Precision Industry, in a statement said it suspended production from Sunday until Friday at facilities in the Chinese city of Kunshan, end quote. 
So, you know, we have been hearing for a couple weeks now warnings about China's real estate sector, but this was news to me, quoting Stephen Stapzinski on Twitter, quote, China's power crunch may be its next economic shock. The worsening power crunch in China reflects tight energy supply globally. The post-COVID recovery has boosted power demand just as lower investment by miners and drillers constrains fuel output. China's energy crisis is partially of its own making as President Xi Jinping tries to ensure blue skies at the Winter Olympics in Beijing next February and show the international community he's serious about decarbonizing the economy. The impact on China's economy is already emerging. Aluminum output was curtailed due to pressure from Beijing. Soybean crushers were ordered to shut this week in Tianjin. In Jiangsu, steel mills have closed and some cities are turning off streetlights. One of the underlying issues in China is that a record-breaking surge in coal prices makes it unprofitable for many power plants to operate. So why produce power if you're going to lose money? Earlier this month, the Beijing Electric Power Industry Association asked authorities for permission to raise electricity rates as coal prices skyrocket. Last month, 11 coal-fired power companies within the region asked for relief, end quote. So my assumption all along has been the Chinese crackdown on gaming and lending and tech was all about channeling national efforts toward an industrial sector that Chinese leaders believe is more important strategically for their great power aspirations. But if the lights go out and the factories shut down... And another one of my assumptions all along has been that if the App Store gets cracked open, then that sort of sets a precedent that could put a lot of economic and marketplace assumptions in play. Could this story be that, in sort of a butterfly flapping its wings sort of case, or is this just competition in the cloud space? Sources are telling CNBC that Google Cloud Platform plans to slash its revenue share from 20% to 3% for third-party software on its cloud marketplace, matching Microsoft's recent cut. Quote, it's the cloud group's latest effort to become more competitive since Thomas Kurian joined as CEO in 2019 after a career at Oracle. Google, which trails Amazon Web Services and Microsoft Azure in cloud infrastructure, is trying to attract independent software makers to sell their products on Google's cloud. Quote, Our goal is to provide partners with the best platform and most competitive incentives in the industry, a Google spokesperson told CNBC in an email. We can confirm that a change to our marketplace fee structure is in the works and we'll have more to share on this soon, end quote. Big tech companies in recent months have been decreasing the amount of money they retain on their platforms, whether it's for consumer apps or business products. Some of the pressure is related to competition, while regulatory and legal concerns are also mounting. In July, Google decreased the percentage it keeps from purchases through its Play Store, where consumers buy apps, to 15% from 30% for the first $1 million in revenue a developer earns each year. Also this year, Apple provided the same reduction for app developers with under $1 million in annual sales. As part of a lawsuit filed by Epic Games, a judge in California ruled this month that Apple will no longer be allowed to prohibit developers from providing links or other communications that direct users away from Apple in-app purchasing. Meanwhile, in August, Microsoft lowered the percentage of sales it keeps from game purchases from its Windows App Store to 12% from 30%. On Google's cloud marketplace, customers can find products from prominent software companies including Confluent, Elastic, MongoDB, and Twilio. But it lacks products from companies such as Accenture, Equifax, FactSet, Freshworks, Hewlett-Packard Enterprise, 
and Xilinx, which all have listings in the AWS marketplace. AWS, the market leader, charges a listing fee of about 5%, according to an estimate earlier this year from analysts at UBS. The AWS marketplace generates about $1 billion to $2 billion in annual revenue, they said. Amazon declined to comment. Microsoft said in July it had cut its rate from 20% to 3%, end quote. And finally today, Cloudflare has found great success protecting your websites. Now they want to help you with your email. Cloudflare this morning announced email routing and email security DNS wizard built on top of Gmail, Outlook, Yahoo, and others to prevent phishing, spoofing, and more. Quoting Wired, The features, which the company will offer for free, are mainly geared towards small businesses and corporate customers, and they're made for use on top of any email hosting a customer already has, whether it's provided by Google's Gmail, Microsoft 365, Yahoo, or even relics like AOL. Cloudflare CEO Matthew Prince says that from its founding in 2009, the company very intentionally avoided going anywhere near the thorny problem of email. But he adds that email security issues are unrelenting, so it has become necessary. Quote, I think what I had assumed is that hosting providers like Google and Microsoft and Yahoo were going to solve this issue, so we weren't sure there was anything for us to do in the space, Prince says. But what's become clear over the course of the last two years is that email security is still not a solved issue, end quote. On Monday, the company is launching two products, Cloudflare Email Routing and Email Security DNS Wizard. The tools let customers place Cloudflare in front of of their email hosting provider, essentially allowing Cloudflare to receive and process emails before sending them through to the Microsofts and Googles of the world. This is somewhat similar to Cloudflare's longstanding role as a content delivery network for websites in which the company is a proxy that can serve data or catch malicious activity as web traffic passes through. Cloudflare email routing makes it possible for individuals or organizations to manage an entire custom email domain like at coolbusiness.com from a single consumer email account, such as a personal Gmail address. The tool lets you consolidate many addresses, boss at coolbusiness.com or help at coolbusiness.com, say, so they all forward to a single inbox. This way, small businesses in particular can get the benefits of a dedicated custom email domain without having to manage a whole separate platform. The second tool, Security DNS Wizard, aims to make two email security features accessible for Cloudflare customers and easy to use. Sender Policy Framework, or SPF, and Domain Keys Identified Mail, DKIM, are two tools that are essentially a combination of caller ID and screening schemes for email. They aim to reduce email address spoofing by setting up public records that must match an email sender's information for the message to go through. This significantly reduces how easy it is for attackers to, say, send an email to employees that really looks like it comes from Cool Business CEO. SPF and DKIM have been around for more than a decade, but they aren't ubiquitous because they are difficult to set up without mistakes that can result in problems like legitimate emails getting lost. Cloudflare's goal with email security DNS wizard is to make it easy for users to set up one or the other protection without any flubs. Ultimately, Cloudflare plans to roll out a more comprehensive suite of services called Advanced Email Security Suite that will incorporate these two tools plus others. These initial offerings allow the company to get email flowing through its network, Prince says, so that it can study threats and patterns on a large scale. He adds that all Cloudflare email security products are carefully designed to leave crucial indicators intact for providers like Microsoft and Google. This way, the tools aren't disrupting the important anti-spam and anti-abuse features that those services already have in place. 
and the goal is for existing Cloudflare offerings like browser isolation to work in tandem with the new email security features, even when customers do click a bad link, end quote. That's all for today. Talk to you tomorrow.